The Art of Being Human presents podcast on the work of Byron Katie. This episode is part of the How to Do the Work series, offering specific instructions on how to develop and improve your own practice of the work. This is session three, The Turnarounds, with Ernest Holmes Svensson. For more podcasts on the work of Byron Katie, go to www.theartofbeinghuman.com dk slash podcasts. And now, session three, the turnarounds. Hello. My name is Ernest, and in this episode of the How to Do the Work series, we will cover the third and final part of the process of the work, the turnarounds. In the previous episode, we looked at how to work with the four questions, and I invited you to try them out on one of the one-liners from your Judge Your Neighbor worksheet. In this episode, I'm assuming you've done that and that you have your worksheet with you. And I hope you managed to immerse yourself in the situation you were working with and re-experience it as you found your answers. Did you find anything that surprised you? I hope you did. When we do not simply download our answers from what we already think we know, but allow ourselves to sink in and experience them, we usually find emotional elements, inner images, storylines and connections to our past that we did not notice when we had the experience the first time. The process of slowing down through the four questions helps us discover some of these many threads that weave this situation into our system of beliefs and is the real cause of our upset and emotional stress. And if you found it difficult to find your answers, don't despair. In the next episode, I will present you with a series of sub-questions you can use to expand your investigation through the four questions. And I will also share a printed facilitation guide that offers a bit more detail on the different elements in the process. But first, it's time to acquaint yourself with the turnarounds. Now, the turnarounds can be a bit of a challenge, especially when you're new to the work. If the four questions are a kind of massage for our mind, then the turnarounds are chiropractic. Here, we ask our mind to find evidence for the exact opposite of what it believes, and that can feel like a tall order. So, I'll invite you to be gentle with yourself as you start experimenting with this. There is a balance here. On the one hand, we want to hold ourselves close enough to stay in the process and honestly challenge our mind. On the other hand, we don't want to be so hard on ourselves in our attempts to do everything by the book that we lose our flow and drown out our sensitivity in frustration. In the interest of clarity and simplicity, I will present the turnarounds in a structured and perhaps seemingly strict way. But, as Byron Katie, the founder of the work, sometimes says, please don't do it right. In this, as in everything regarding the work, what's important is not so much the structural elements that make up the process, but rather your willingness to inquire deeply and honestly as far into the depths of your mind as you can go. From one perspective, the work is a process consisting of a certain order of actions. But from another perspective, the work is a space inside you, 
a room for you to inquire, where everything can be noticed, questioned, and examined. The opening of your mind, in other words, is not like a break-in that you force onto yourself from the outside. The opening of your mind is like the opening of a flower, happening at its own accord in response to the gentle and welcoming touch of the sun's light. So, the turnarounds. As I've explained in the Why the Work Works series, when we experience that we have a problem, it's always because we've become stuck in a particular limiting way of viewing the world. We've gotten caught up in a belief that means we can't see our situation from a wider perspective. We have blinkers on, so to speak. And the more narrow and inflexible we are in terms of our perspective on what's happening, the more resistance we'll experience from the world and the more pain and suffering we will feel. The turnarounds are a way of challenging our fixed beliefs and perspectives. Having traveled through the four questions and realized how painful it is to be locked into the beliefs we are caught in, and how different it is to experience our situation without those limiting beliefs, our nervous system should be ready to open up to new points of view. It does require, however, that we are willing to give up our illusion that we know the truth. Or rather, to give up the illusion that the truth we know is the only truth. I remember a course I gave once, where one of the participants turned up a while after we had already started. He came in, took off his coat, sat down on the chair without a word to excuse or explain, and soon began to participate in the conversation as if nothing had happened. I was amused by the way he handled the situation, so I asked about it, and it turned out that he had no idea he was late. He thought the course didn't start until nine and that we were just chatting. What's interesting is that the rest of us had met on time, being ready to start at eight. But he had also arrived on time. He'd got up, had breakfast, and driven to where the course was taking place exactly as he'd planned. He was just working on a different basis. He thought that on time meant nine o'clock. In a world where there are only objective truths, obviously he was late. The course started at eight, and he wasn't there until a quarter to nine. But in a world where we take into consideration that everything is always only experienced from an individual perspective, actually he arrived on time. He got up and ate breakfast all according to plan, and he even came in 15 minutes early. Working with the turnarounds is a way to help ourselves out of our illusion of fixed truths. They are a particular way of turning our one-liners around, finding examples of how the turned-around one-liners are just as true as the original ones. In the example with the man who arrived late for my cause, the one-liner, he was late, can be turned around into he wasn't late. And our task is then to find concrete examples of how this turned-around statement is also true in the situation. In this case, it's true for me that he wasn't late because he arrived when he thought he was supposed to, he ended up learning what he was supposed to, he wasn't too late to benefit from the cause, and in the situation, it was actually a good thing that he arrived when he did, because it gave me a perfect opportunity to demonstrate how more than one truth can coexist. 
In other words, he arrived at exactly the right moment. As the famous physicist and Nobel Prize winner Niels Bohr put it, the opposite of a profound truth may well be another profound truth. And that is exactly what the turnarounds show us. We let go of our fixed notions of right and wrong, opening ourselves up to real reality, where things are never unambiguous, and where we can find the positive and the negative in everything. Now, the work works with three kinds of turnaround. You can find them listed in the bottom right-hand corner of the Judge Your Neighbor worksheet. The turnaround to the opposite, the turnaround to the self, and the turnaround to the other. And our job is to first identify a turnaround and then find at least three examples of how that turnaround is true. Then find the next turnaround and find another three examples of how this version of the turnaround is true. The turnaround to the opposite is the most obvious, and we can find it in two ways. We can add or remove the word not, or we can insert the word we experience as the opposite in the situation. For example, he is sad can be turned around to he is not sad and he is happy. Often the difference between the two versions is very subtle, but there may still be important findings in both. Take, for example, the statement, he disrespects me. This can lead to two variations. He respects me and he doesn't disrespect me. They sound almost similar, and in many cases it may well be that you experience them as being so close that it won't really make sense to work them separately. And yet, sometimes, if you get really still, you may find that there are nuances present that makes trying them both on worth your while. I certainly find that even the slightest shift in wording can open my mind to seeing something I may not have noticed before. And again, if you find that the variations are so close that it doesn't make sense for you to work with both of them, just stick to one of them, find your examples, and move on. Sometimes, it's not even possible to find a word that expresses the opposite. As in, I want him to read the book. There's no opposite word to read. You could try unread, of course, if that makes sense to you in the context, but usually I would say that the only way to turn this one-liner to its opposite is, I don't want him to read the book. In other cases, there are several options of words that can mean the opposite. What, for example, is the opposite of he is useless? It might be he is helpful, but it could also be he is capable. It depends on the context and the particular structures and definitions in the client's map of reality. So, which one is the right one, and if there even is one, hinges entirely on the person questioning the statement. Here are a few examples of the turnaround to the opposite. He should behave properly. Turned around, he shouldn't behave properly, and he should behave badly. I want him to be clear. Turned around, I do not want him to be clear, and I want him to be unclear. He should think it through. Turned around, he shouldn't think it through, and he should be rash. Notice that in some cases you can insert the word not in several places in the sentence. I want him to apologize can become I do not want him to apologize, but also I want him to not apologize. 
This is another way of creating those subtle variations, and as you get more experienced, you can play with these options. But don't get lost in thinking that this is a mathematical exercise where you have to cover every possible combination. Keep it simple and flow with it. One of the points of doing an entire worksheet is that what you may miss in one place will show up in another. So, for the turnaround to the opposite, insert or remove the word not, and, if you feel up to it, insert a word that you experience to be the opposite in the situation, and see where that takes you. But don't do both at the same time. First you do one, then you do the other. They are two separate turnarounds. Summing up. There are three basic forms of turnarounds, and you can find them in the bottom right-hand corner of the worksheet. The task is to turn your one-liners around in one of the three ways, and then find at least three examples of how the turned-around statement is as true, or maybe even truer, than the original statement. And you do this for each of the turnarounds. There's no particular order in which to work them. That's entirely up to you. And the one I've presented so far is the turnaround to the opposite, where the goal is to turn the one-liner to its extreme opposite by keeping as much of the wording intact and only making one of two possible changes at the time. Either insert or remove the word not, as in he does not respect me, becoming he does respect me by removing the word not, or he is difficult, becoming he is not difficult by inserting the word not. Or the other variation, find a word that you as the client experience as the opposite of what is the key element in the sentence, as in he ignores me, becoming he notices me, or he is difficult to work with, becoming he is easy to work with. Try and pause the playback now and go through a couple of the one-liners on your worksheet and turn them around to the opposite, using both the insert or remove the word not version and the insert the opposite word version. Resume the playback when you're done. The next turnaround is the turnaround to the self. It consists of inserting yourself into the one-liner in place of the other. For example, he is annoyed becomes I am annoyed. He doesn't respect me becomes I don't respect myself. He should behave properly towards Peter becomes I should behave properly towards myself. I want him to apologize to Maria becomes I want me to apologize to myself. No mystery here. Simply insert yourself in place of everyone else in the one-liner and then find three examples of how that is as true or maybe even truer in the situation. Pause the playback and give it a try on some of the one-liners on your worksheet. And when you're done, resume the playback. The final turnaround is the turnaround to the other. The idea here is to notice how you are doing to others in that situation exactly what you think they are doing to you. He disrespects me becomes I disrespect him. He's angry at me becomes I am angry at him. What you do is simply that you swap the pronouns. He shouldn't treat me that way becomes 
I shouldn't treat him that way. I want him to see me clearly becomes I want me to see him clearly. This turnaround isn't always possible, since it requires more than one person to be mentioned in the sentence. He's annoyed, for example, does not allow us to shift anyone around because there's no one to shift with. There's only him present in the sentence. He is annoyed. One thing you can look for, however, is to make sure that you complete your sentences. In many cases, there is an implied element, an underlying understanding that we don't express but simply take for granted as we write. In he is annoyed, for example, what we may actually mean is he's annoyed with me. It's just so obvious that we don't state it. But when we get to this turnaround, making sure that our sentence is complete will suddenly make it work. He is annoyed with me can become I'm annoyed with him. So, the third turnaround is the turnaround to the other. The idea here is to shift people around to notice that what you think they are doing to you, you are in fact doing to them in that moment. For example, he's annoyed with me becomes I'm annoyed with him. And he doesn't respect me becomes I don't respect him. If there's only one person mentioned in the one-liner, as in he's being critical, this turnaround isn't possible. You cannot shift he around with anyone. Very often, however, that's just because the sentence is left open-ended. What you may mean is, he's being critical towards my suggestion, which allows for the turnaround, I am being critical towards his suggestion. And also, by the way, now that we've completed the sentence, you may realize what you have missed in the turnaround to the self, I am being critical towards my own suggestion. Sometimes, the situation is the opposite. Rather than a lack of others, we have several others mentioned in a one-liner, and in those cases, do a turnaround directed at each of them. I want Peter to apologize to Anne is turned around to I want me to apologize to Peter and I want me to apologize to Anne, and then find examples of each version. The turnaround to the other turns the one-liner around to becoming about how you do to others what you think they do to you or each other. And please note, it's about realizing what you do. It's about getting back into your business, focusing on your part and taking responsibility for that. In the example, I want Peter to apologize to Anne, saying I want Anne to apologize to Peter is not a valid turnaround. Nor is I want Peter to apologize to me. Because... None of them are about realizing what you do. They're all about what others do. About wanting Anne to apologize to Peter or wanting Peter to apologize to you. That's not turnarounds. That's just more stories. So, once again, I suggest you stop the playback and do a couple of experiments with this turnaround to the other. And once you've tried them out, resume the playback. So, there are three basic types of turnarounds. The turnaround to the opposite, where you insert or remove the word not, and can also play with inserting a word that means the opposite. Examples, he shouldn't behave badly, becomes he should behave badly, and he shouldn't behave well. I want him to appreciate me, becomes I don't want him to appreciate me, and I want him to reject me. 
Notice that here, to me, the opposite of appreciate is reject. In another context, or for another person, it might be a different word, like dislike or ignore. Only you, as the client, can know which one is right. And notice also, only do one of these variations at a time. Do not both insert the word not and insert an opposite word at the same time. That'll only bring you back to square one in a double negative. I want him to respect me can be turned around to I don't want him to respect me and I want him to disrespect me. But if you do both at the same time, you get I don't want him to disrespect me, which is basically the same as the I want him to respect me you started with. When working with turnarounds, only do one variation at a time and then find your examples. The other turnaround is the turnaround to the self. Here you insert yourself in place of everyone else in the sentence. He is annoying. I am annoying. He is treating me unfairly. I am treating me unfairly. I want Peter to be kind to Susanna. I want me to be kind to myself. And for each of these variations, find at least three examples of how that is true in that situation you're working with. The third turnaround is the turnaround to the other. This turnaround is not always an option because it requires that there are at least two persons in the sentence so we can swap them. Examples, I want Anna to like me. I want me to like Anna. Remember that we want to end up in our own business with this turnaround. Don't go from I want Anna to like me to Anna wants me to like her. What Anna wants is not your business. Likewise, she shouldn't be so focused on David can become I shouldn't be so focused on David and I shouldn't be so focused on her. But stay out of she shouldn't be so focused on me or David shouldn't be so focused on her or any other variations that are not about what you do. If you're in doubt about whether these turnarounds are applicable, you can always ask yourself if you're talking about something you can really know. If you're guessing for them in order to answer the turnaround, you're out of your own business and no longer doing the work. When working with the turnarounds, in other words, we do precise surgical changes to the wording. Don't change the entire sentence and add extra words or formulate it anew. Only change just those one or two words that go with the turnaround and leave the rest as it is. Sometimes, especially when we are working something that we really believe is true, the turnarounds can sound absurd to us at first and we are tempted to skip them or change them to better fit what we believe. But the whole point of the turnarounds is to challenge what we believe. So stick to making the few precise changes that the turnaround requires and then work with what comes out of that. Don't get clever with the turnarounds. Trust them. So, now you know how to turn the one-liners around to find the correct turnarounds. Now you're ready to begin working with the turnarounds. That is, to find examples of how the turned-around one-liner is as true as and sometimes even more true than the original one-liner. We are aiming to find at least three examples of each one. And they should be examples that are genuine and true for us. The work is only effective if we work with actual experiences in our nervous system. 
rationalizations, positive affirmations, and intellectual quibbling won't do any good. Your examples of how the turnarounds are true must be authentic for you. It doesn't matter whether they make sense to the rest of the world. If you feel that they make sense, then they have an effect on your nervous system. And that's when things start to happen. And it works the other way around too. They can be true for everybody else, but if you don't believe them, they don't have any effect. Here are a couple of examples of how it works. Let's say the one-liner is, he disrespects me. The turnaround to the other then is, I disrespect him. And now I start looking for examples in the situation I'm working with. So the first thing I see is that in my mind, I'm tearing him completely apart, seeing him as foolish and less than because he disrespects me. So in that sense, in the situation, I disrespect him. Also, I notice that I do not respect his right to be who he is, including respecting or disrespecting whom he wants. I also notice that the tone of my voice as I answer him is quite disrespectful. And, in the situation, I am telling him what to do. In that, I am not respecting his right to plan his own time or the fact that he knows best which tasks are truly necessary and which it's maybe not even worth doing. Oh, and as I approach him, I immediately jump to the conclusion that he's lazy. I don't even ask him why he hasn't started his tasks yet. I can also feel how I take on a certain persona with him. I become slightly arrogant and superior inside. It really is true that I don't respect him in that moment. And it makes sense that he doesn't respect me when I show up like that. I probably wouldn't respect me either if I was in his position. Okay, another turnaround. He disrespects me. The turnaround to the self is, I disrespect myself. Now, one example that comes to me is that I really hate it when I step into the role of being the know-it-all. I've worked on that role before. I've decided many times to stay away from it and stay curious and open. And by stepping into it again, I do not honor or respect that decision. Basically, I don't like myself when I'm like that. I don't respect myself in that role. Also, by going into his business, thinking that I'm allowed to decide on his behalf, I'm confirming a universe where people can do that. And as such, I also make myself open to that kind of disrespect from others. It is actually quite a scary universe I live in, with that disrespect going all around. And I also notice that as I step into that role of I know it all, I'm abandoning the more vulnerable and less certain parts of me. Revisiting the situation, I can actually feel that a part of me is frightened and feel pushed by this bloated ego I'm putting forward in that moment. I do not respect my own sensitivity and vulnerability in that moment. I'm bulldozing myself. And, fundamentally, I leave my own business, and that always hurts. That's not very respectful towards myself. He disrespects me. The final turnaround, the turnaround to the opposite, 
he does not disrespect me. The fact that he's not doing what I tell him is not necessarily a sign of disrespect. In fact, he says that he feels the task is unnecessary. That's why he doesn't do it, not out of any disrespect towards me. Oh, and even if he does feel disrespect towards me in that moment, it's not really me his emotions are directed at. They are directed at his story of me, the me that he makes me out to be, which has nothing to do with who I see myself as. I also notice that he stays in the room. He answers my questions. If he really disrespected me, he could just ignore me. He does not disrespect me. In fact, it's clear to see that he's affected by what I say. It matters to him what I think. Notice that I'm finding my examples in the situation. I'm not going to how he respected me at another occasion, for example, because that has nothing to do with my beliefs in this moment. Now, in going through these examples, I'm being rather schematic. I'm just passing through them quickly to give you a sense of what it might look like. In reality, if I was doing the work, I would probably be spending several minutes on each of them. When finding examples of turnarounds, it's important, as it is with every other aspect of the work, to give yourself time, to be still, to be present in the situation and let the examples emerge from there. They need to be experienced, and when you find a good example, it's often a good idea to take a moment to pause in the experience, noting how it feels to be present in the situation with this perspective. Because this is how our nervous system changes, through experience. And that is how our beliefs release their hold on us. Working with the turnarounds is about opening your mind. And as you may have noticed in my examples before, a little flexibility in how you approach the examples is sometimes helpful. Take a situation where you experience that someone is speaking to you in a rude way, without you saying anything in return. This could lead to the one-liner, John shouldn't speak to me rudely, and therefore to the turnaround, I shouldn't speak to John rudely. But there you run aground, because after all, you didn't say anything. What if you look beyond the surface, however? What if you also investigate what's going on inside you in the situation? How do you react internally when John speaks to you rudely? Perhaps, as it turns out, you did speak to him rudely, you just didn't say anything out loud. Similarly, the one-liner, I want them to stop being noisy, can end up revealing how noisy you are inside your head when you experience someone being noisy around you. Another possibility is to pay close attention to what you actually do in the situation. If you're working with the one-liner, I want him to go away. At some point, you'll come across the turnaround, I don't want him to go away. And here you might run aground again, because you do genuinely think that that's what you want. But if you investigate how you actually behave in the situation, it might be that you see something else. You pursued him out into the hallway instead of staying in the room, you kept talking to him, even though he was about to leave, and once he'd gone, you continued the conversation with him in your head for hours. In your actions, 
you didn't want him to go away, apparently. Our inner images, our inner dialogues, our concrete actions, and the ideas we entertain about the past and future in any given situation can contain many examples of the turnarounds we're looking for. It's about becoming still, about delving deeply into ourselves and following the mind's associative structures rather than proceeding with strict mathematical logic. I hit him can just as easily mean that you hit him with your voice. I hit myself can refer to your inner images. Maybe he has only hit you once. How many times have you replayed the movie of that hit in your mind and as such hit yourself time and time again? Working with the turnarounds is about flow, not force. Avoid putting pressure on yourself. This is a compassionate inner inquiry, a gradual opening of your mind, a meditative journey where you gently look again to see if there's something you may have missed. If it's possible, you may have not seen the whole picture when you were under the influence of your belief. And sometimes that's a lot to ask. So be patient with yourself. Treat yourself as you would treat a small child learning something new. Your mind will open more and more, and with it, your heart. So, now it's your turn. Take the one-liner you've put through the four questions and find its turnarounds. And for each turnaround, find at least three examples of how that turnaround is as true, or maybe even truer, in the specific situation you're working with. Remember, there are three types of turnaround. The turnaround to the opposite, add or remove the word not, or find a word that means the opposite. The turnaround to the self, insert yourself in place of everybody else in the sentence. And the turnaround to the other, shift people around to get back in your own business. And note, this turnaround isn't always possible. It requires more than one person to be mentioned in the one-liner. And remember to look for your examples in the situation, just like you found your answers to the four questions in the situation. And that's it. Be gentle with yourself. Finding examples for the turnarounds means asking our minds to argue for the complete opposite of what they believe, and that can take some getting used to. We're used to thinking that our survival depends on knowing how our world hangs together and that our judgments are correct. This is the cause of our pain, but it can take some time to see that, so go easy on yourself. But be creative and don't give up at the first sense of difficulty. The turnarounds are your path to the open mind. The more you stay with them, the easier it gets. Have fun. We will return to your experiences in the next episode, where we will also expand the four questions with a series of sub-questions that can support you in going deeper. And I will introduce you to a facilitation guide which combines all that we've been through so far. Until then, I am Ernest, and I look forward to continuing our work on this journey towards peace, clarity, and the end of suffering. The work of Byron Katie is copyrighted by Byron Katie International. You can read more on www.thework.com. For more podcasts like this one, 
visit theartofbeinghuman.dk. And feel free to contact me if you have any questions or comments to this podcast. You can find my contact information at theartofbeinghuman.dk or you can simply send an email to ernest at kavm.dk. That is ernest at kiloalphavictormike.dk. Thank you for listening.